Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Sherry Simone, DNP, about the article, Implementation of an ICU Bundle, an Interprofessional Quality Improvement Project to Enhance Delirium Management and Monitor Delirium Prevalence in a Single PICU, published in the June 2017 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Simone is Nurse Practitioner Clinical Program Manager for the Women and Children's Services and a Nurse Practitioner in the Pediatric ICU at the University of Maryland Medical Center. She is an Assistant Professor at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in the Pediatric Acute Care Nurse Practitioner Program. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss our ICU bundle project. Before we begin, do you have any disclosures to share? Yes, we were awarded a University of Maryland Interprofessional Education and Collaboration Seed Grant to support the project. Thank you. Um, Would you start by giving us some background to your study? Why did you decide to address delirium in your PICU process population, and how did you approach the problem? Sure. The project was first conceptualized back in July of 2013, and at the time, we were not screened for delirium and suspected under-recognition in our PICU. Uh, due to a lack of a standardized method for screening and limited knowledge and experience of the staff in caring for children with delirium. And we were only identifying or suspecting delirium in difficult to sedate children that prompted a psychiatric evaluation or a consultation. And there was also increasing reports of delirium in children. Although bedside screening tools had become available, there was still very little evidence regarding use of standardized screening and management approaches. So our goal was to implement a quality improvement project to improve detection, prevention, and management of delirium in the pediatric ICU. And our initial aims were to develop and implement a delirium evidence-based protocol that includes assessment and prevention and treatment strategies. And then secondly, we wanted to develop educational activities that engage the multidisciplinary staff and trainees to address delirium knowledge gaps and to promote um, collaboration as an interprofessional team. How, How did you do your project? Well, first, the implementation of the three bundles was not our original intent and actually uh, evolved as we became interested in sedation, early mobilization practices, and the impact of delirium. So I wanted to make that clear. And the Society of Critical Care Medicine Adult Pain Agitation Delirium Revised Guidelines that were published in 2013 kind of provided the bundle framework uh, with evidence of the impact of a multi-component set of evidence-based strategies to improve pain, agitation, and delirium. And so after our first protocol implementation, the two strategies that we recognized were deficits in our unit were the use of targeted sedation practices and early mobilization of intubated children. So the way we initiated our project is we used a quality improvement framework, the Plan, Do, Study, Act, to guide the initiative as we anticipated multiple modifications and improvements, and we wanted to initiate with delirium screening and a standardized approach to prevention and management as our starting point, and then later moved into the other two protocols. So we began by assembling a small task force that included pharmacy, psychiatry, and PICU staff, which included nurses, intensivists, and nurse practitioner, to develop the evidence-based delirium protocol which included a use of a validated delirium screening tool, also the inclusion of pain and sedation assessment, day and night prevention measures, diagnosis, management strategies, and also to identify risk factors, precipitating factors, and non-pharmacologic and pharmacologic strategies. We chose to use the Cornell Assessment of Pediatric Delirium, or the CAPD tool, based on its ease and use, and it was quick to perform. It was 
it has great utility in intubated children and was validated in children 0 to 18 years of age. We then presented the protocol in multiple forms to really gain consensus and support of the team. We conducted extensive startup education, training to the entire staff and rotating residents and, and students through formal presentations. We had competency training for nurses and monthly education for the rotating residents. We also developed and distributed multiple educational resources. We had algorithms at the bedside. We had information on our web page. We displayed the protocol in various areas on the unit. We had a pocket reference that we distributed to all the trainees during orientation. That was pretty comprehensive. It included delirium, definition, criteria, risk factors, screening assessment, and the algorithm. And then we implemented the delirium protocol in December of 2013. I did train the trainer education for a group of day and night nursing and NP staff who were then able to assist me with monthly educational sessions for rotating residents. They also helped to update staff and team huddles, provide uh, real-time education, and the CAPD scores were reported during the nursing presentation and daily multidisciplinary rounds so that everyone was aware of those scores. We monitored compliance and monthly delirium prevalence and disseminated this data to the staff in quality review committee meetings and staff meetings. And then two months later, after implementation, we began holding monthly case conferences. And this was to improve awareness, increase the interdisciplinary staff training knowledge, discuss delirium cases, and we would review our screening, diagnosis, and prevention measures, as well as discuss management principles and strategies, and then we would modify the protocol as needed. And then for the sedation and the early mobilization, they both rolled out in a very similar but stepwise fashion. And basically, the project team grew with each phase as we had separate multidisciplinary teams that developed the sedation early mobilization protocols. How did you sustain compliance with the delirium protocol as you were rolling out the sedation and early mobilization protocols? It was one continuous process. We had the interdisciplinary and the professional collaboration between PICU staff. Psychiatry and pharmacy was key, and their specific expertise was really invaluable. We had um, presence on rounds with the PICU staff and the pharmacists. We also had readily available psychiatry consults. And then all the disciplines would attend case conferences, which helped to kind of strengthen the commitment and the value to the project. Me, I was the lead champion, and I was instrumental in making sure that we were making you know, these unit cultural changes and sustaining protocol um, compliance. And as we were adding the additional protocols, we had a group of unit nursing and NP champions on day, night, and weekend shifts that helped to assure continual presence on the unit, going through all the protocols Again, providing updates in, in team huddles, you know, providing monthly education to the residents and making sure that all these protocols were readily available and um, there's a lot of in-time uh, or real-time education. How did you evaluate the su- success of your project in terms of what outcomes did you look at and so forth? So we looked at first the delirium prevalence and the first phase of our protocol was over 10 months and we found a mean uh, delirium prevalence of 19.3% over this time frame and which is consistent with previous reports and it fell to a mean of 11.84% after implementation of the sedation and early mobilization protocol and there was definitely a kind of a stepwise progression in the fall of the prevalence We also looked at screening compliance, and we were able to sustain greater than 95% for the entire 22 months of the project. We looked at improved uh, delirium knowledge in the interprofessional staff, and we surveyed staff pre and post all three 
three of the protocol bundle implementation, which included intensivists, fellows, nurse practitioners, nurses, um, residents, and some students. And we found that we had improved uh, perceived delirium knowledge and attitudes in all the respondents. Has this improvement or our compliance with the protocols continued since you completed the implementation in the first 22-month period? It has. Uh, we did transition to the EPIC EMR system in November of 2015, and so we did see a temporary decrease in compliance during the transition while we were learning the system, but it was very short-term. And once we got through that new process change, we've been able to sustain our compliance. Great. What can you tell us about delirium in your population? So we screened 1,875 consecutive admissions over the 22 months. We had 821 patients that were admitted for 40 hours or greater, and of those, we identified 140 or 17% of cases with delirium, and there were 41 patients with what we had termed probable emerging delirium, and this was defined as having one CAPD score of nine or greater, and this was based on some evidence in adults and children that described emerging delirium as an atypical presentation without all features of delirium or having one assessment score meeting criteria, and we also identified seven children who had a length of stay that was less than 48 hours who had one CAPD score of nine or greater, but there were no patients that were admitted for less than 48 hours that had more than one score. So our analysis was really limited to describing the 821 patients that were admitted for 48 hours or greater. And of the 140 delirium cases, 74% of the cases were mechanically ventilated, and all of the emerging delirium cases were also mechanically ventilated. When we compared delirium cases to those who were not delirious, the age was similar. The median age was 1.9 years. But children with delirium were more likely to be female, and this was 59%. They had a longer PICU stay, and this was 7.7 versus 5.7 days. They had a longer hospital length of stay, 14.2 versus 5.7 days, and the length of mechanical ventilation was also longer, and this was 5 versus 3 days. With the implementation of your sedation and early mobilization protocols, you have had a nice decrease in the prevalence of delirium. I think you said from 19% to 11% or something like that. So what do you do when you identify delirium in a child in your unit now? So we first, um, as soon as we have a positive score, we actually have an acronym that we use to look at potential etiologies of delirium, and we kind of walk through this to see if we can identify what that is, whether it's some new disease process, whether it has to do with the environment, you know, poor night-day um, or, uh, rotation, excuse me, and uh, lack of sleep, whether it's uh, due to some new metabolic disturbance, whether it's pain, there's um, excessive pain, um, over-sedation, under-sedation, et cetera. So we'll walk through this first and try and determine what, if there's an etiology that we can actually address and hopefully bring down those scores, and that's where we start. What are the implications for your study for the care of patients in the PICU in general? I think that the, the primary implica- implication is that it is feasible and sustainable to implement the ICU bundle. I think it, it obviously does take an interprofessional collaborative approach and it, and the need for key multidisciplinary team members for us having pharmacy and psychiatry in addition to our PICU staff was really invaluable. The clinical pro- protocols, although they were important, are not enough. We definitely needed to have a lot of ongoing educational activities you know, from delirium through the sedation protocol and uh, through the early mobilization protocol in order to ensure that each 
we were remain our compliance remained with each, but also we were able to add the additional strategies to help decrease delirium. Also, having the presence of committed champions was extremely important, and without it, we wouldn't be able to ensure that there was adherence on day, night, and, and weekend shifts. And then also the case conferences were really um, helpful. This really helped to keep the project in the forefront. There's a lot of ongoing discussions. We have rotating residents, students, you know, et cetera, and it, it really helped to ensure that everybody stayed abreast of the project. All, all three of these protocols you've implemented, the delirium, the change in the sedation, and the early mobilization, really require a culture shift in the PEDS ICU. They're not kind of the way we used to do business or we're comfortable doing business. Did you find that, and how did you deal with it? Uh, we did, and we definitely had to spend a, a lot of time working on it. You know, even though it is a pediatric unit, I think there were many nurses that were very accustomed to you know certain tasks and, and um, activities that were done on day shift versus night shift, and we really mm-hmm. had to do a lot of education around the causes of delirium and what would precipitate and perpetuate delirium to help them really understand the importance of you know, changing the way we do our our day and. And it really has made a difference in helping to ensure that the kids are going to bed early, you know, that we're not um, actually doing x-rays and um, laboratory uh, uh, studies, you know, in the middle of the night just to have it ready for uh, morning rounds, uh, making sure that we're not doing our baths because it's just convenient, Uh but really changing all of that and, and also making sure that we're really getting patients up early in the morning, that we really are trying to get them out of bed and familiarize their environment. Do you have suggestions for other units that might want to take on a project like this? I do. Um, I think, you know, again, you really have to ensure that you have the right team from from the beginning. And, and I think in each unit, it might look very different. But for us, it was it worked out well to start, obviously, with a progression or a phased approach. And what our primary need was, was to first you know, begin screening and to develop this delirium algorithm to start with the cultural changes and to start with looking at prevention measures that not only the nurses, but occupational and uh, um, physical therapy and um, respiratory therapy and the entire team could help to, to guide the daily activities. And then ensuring that there is true team ownership. You know, we need to have, you know, a lead champion, but there also has to be a unit uh, champions that really help to move move this along. And again, developing, you know, multitude of different educational strategies and, and resources for the different uh, disciplines is, is really important. As far as a standardized assessment, all of our tools are now electronic and embedded in the nursing PICU assessment, which makes it very easy mm-hmm. to get you know, those scores. Communication, making sure that in the daily rounding form that if the nurse is the person who's presenting this data, that we're actually reporting CAPD scores. We also embedded the screening assessment in our PICU order, admission order so that it is being done on all of our patients. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Um, I would just say that, you know, again, it is it is feasible and it is sustainable for us. You know, I look back at, you know, it, it is a lot of work, but at the but when you're doing it in a more progressive fashion, it you know didn't seem to be as uh, as much work as it, it is looking back at it. <laughs> 
it's an impressive body of work. <laughs> well, and, and it was, and with each protocol we did, the, the project team did expand. And so we had more experts that helped us, you know, develop the early mobilization protocol, the sedation protocol. And so that, you know, it definitely expanded and, and took on great momentum. Well, that's great. I have to congratulate you on your success. It's really an impressive piece of work. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for talking with us today, Sherry. Thank you very much. We have been talking today with Dr. Sherry Simone from Baltimore, Maryland, about the article, Implementation of an ICU Bundle, an Interprofessional Quality Improvement Project to Enhance Delirium Management and Monitor Delirium Prevalence in a Single PICU, published in the June 2017 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCriticalCare podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Speak with a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org slash membership for more information. Margaret Parker, MD, MCCM. Dr. Margaret Parker is Professor of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the Director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook Children's Hospital. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.